Welcome to the Starfish Storytellers, the podcast that makes a difference one story at a time by bringing storytelling to life. I remember writing that um, we, these narratives that we are told, we are given to us, we kind of inherit some narratives when we are born into this world. Our, our family gives us the narrative of religion sometimes, values, morals, right? These are all narratives. These are all stories that we get and that we are in, that we inherit, but also that we eventually take what we've inherited and we morph it into fitting into our reality as we go along. I'll give you an example. When I was a little kid, we grew up with not very much money at all. And what I ended up adopting was this poverty mindedness. So you never buy anything that you don't need, that you don't absolutely need. And that was a story that we told ourselves and we carried through. Of course, that fit our situation in reality. So there was nothing to contradict that. But of course, when I got older and I could, I was making enough money to buy the things that I wanted, not necessarily needed, that old mindset, that old narrative kept me from feeling good about it, from feeling good about taking care of myself and giving what I needed. And eventually I figured it out that, oh, wait a minute, why am I doing this? There is no reason for me to do this. And the only thing that was keeping me locked into that story was just this unquestioned belief that it was my story. So once I started asking the question, is does it have to remain my story? That's when the thing started clicking and I realized how much I had been holding myself back just by holding on to something that had been given to me when I was a child. Nobody's fault. It worked for the reality that I had back then, but that story no longer needed to be carried by me. I could replace it with a new one. And, and one of the great things about discovering that, about my own story, is that I realized that I had passed on that old story, the one that no longer fit, to my oldest son, because I saw him making choices that reminded me of what I used to do when I was his age. And I thought, well, that's, why is he doing that? So I got to open up the conversation about narratives that hold us back with my oldest. And I'm very proud to say that I've got a 24 year old now who no longer limits himself based on the story I passed down to him. And so it may have taken me quite a few years to figure it out, but he's starting off on a much better foot because he was able to release a narrative that didn't actually belong to him. And that, when we talked about narratives the other day, when I wrote about it, that's what I'm talking about a little bit about letting go of stories that have served a purpose. They keep us on an even keel. They keep us moving forward. They keep us in circle. We can survive with them. But getting to a point in your life when you can recognize, okay, it's time to reassess. Does this story still work for me? Does it still fit my reality? And if it doesn't, it's okay to let it go. That's what I love about narratives and taking them apart. Hello, my name is Liana Henry, 
and welcome to the Starfish Storytellers. I'm the CEO of the Black Dog Group, a Marcom and project management firm headquartered on the East Coast of the U.S. in quaint colonial Bedford, Massachusetts. I'm your host and passionate about storytelling. I'm actually on a mission to raise up the next generation of storytellers. We've named ourselves the Starfish Storytellers after the Starfish Story. The moral of the starfish story is based on the power of one. No matter how big the challenge, each action we take makes a difference and has an impact. One step, one starfish, or one story at a time. Every episode, we welcome a new storyteller who will share their story meant to inspire and connect with you. Then we'll break it down and offer tips for listeners who are ready to tell their own stories. So thanks for tuning in. Now let's get started. Today's episode is about storytelling from here and beyond, exploring narratives through life guidance and mediumship. And with me today is Jude Mullins, a life guidance coach, Reiki healer, psychic, and evidential medium. Jude helps her clients grow personally, spiritually, or professionally by examining their own, sometimes self-limiting, narratives, helping them become attuned and connecting them with hopeful messages from loved ones who have passed on. Welcome to the show, Jude. This is really exciting. Hi, thank you. I love being here. Thank you. You know, this is a, we, we love to have a variety of guests from, you know, from all angles of storytelling. So this is, this is very new and fresh for us. So we're really excited about this. Um, Before we get started though, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, Sure. My name is Jude Mullins. As Liana Art said, I don't know there's much more to say except for that I am an English teacher by trade. I am a writer. I am a medium and going to be soon a certified healer. I'm working towards my ordination in the same church that I've been certified for mediumship and healing. I am a bank teller by day, and I've done an awful lot of different kinds of work. I think I treasure the life guidance coaching more than anything else right now, because I do get to work one-on-one with people and and we can make some real differences in their lives. And that urge to help and be of service, that teaching, that's what drives me. And that's what I find the most joy in. So that I think right now is my story. That's my biggest story right now. If I had a headline, it would be Jude finds joy in service. Nice. So I, a life coach is a wellness professional and they help people make progress uh, to find fulfillment, but you call yourself a life guidance coach. Is there a difference between a life guidance coach and a life coach? So a couple of reasons I chose life guidance coach is because there's a whole bunch of life coaches out there and it's hard to separate yourself from the pack. What I have learned as I've studied and gotten some certifications in life coaching is that there's all these different categories. There's career, there's personal, there's this, that, and what have you. There's health. And because I connect with spirit when I'm working with my clients, I get a very broad perspective from the other side. They tend to tap into all different areas of a person's life. And it occurred to me that life guidance is really coming from taking all the pieces of the different areas that you may or may not think you have concerns in and putting them together like a puzzle to guide you forward. So spirit comes and speaks to me when I'm in conversation with a client. It's like one big, it is, it's a conversation. They can't see who I'm talking to, but I'm usually talking to 
people in spirit there uh, who are on their team and they drop these breadcrumbs and all of those breadcrumbs from all the different areas kind of lead down one path. So that's where the guidance is coming from. It's really not coming from me. I'm just relaying information that I'm getting from their people in spirit. And when we match that up, their messaging from spirit with what the client knows for herself as true, it that's where the guidance comes from because you match it up together and now suddenly you can see a much clearer path forward. That's where that comes from. Okay. So that's how the guidance comes in. Yeah. Um, do you, I know that you are a certified medium. Um, how does, how does one become a certified medium? And when did you know you had psychic abilities? So there's a difference between psychic work and mediumship psychic work is um energy that i would read off of another physical person so if you for instance i could pick up psychic energy from you i'm connecting with you and tuning into your energy mediumship when you develop your psychic abilities even further that's when you start raising your vibration to start connecting with spirit so now spirit connection and communication is mediumship so Every medium is a psychic. Not all psychics are mediums. There's just more development going on there. Uh, how I got certified, I am a spiritualist. I'm a member of a National Spiritualist Association of Churches church in Burlington, Mass., the, ch spiritual, um, the Church of Spiritual Growth. And through the education department of our national organization called Morris Pratt Institute, they have, it's basically online courses and in-person testing. There's a essentially a course, what you would call a correspondence course for mediumship and healing and licentiate ministership. And you spend a few years studying, writing essays, sending in course those courses. Then you take um, an essay exam and then you take a three-hour written exam. And you when you if you pass, you are certified. Um, we strive very hard in our education department to um, really develop students of mediumship and um, provide them with a lot of information and history and everything from mediumship so that we know when they get out there into the world to practice mediumship, they're doing it according to our standards. And I wanted to mention our mediumship for the NSAC, National Spiritualist Association of Churches. We practice evidential mediumship, which isn't just any mediumship. What that means is that before I deliver a message to you from someone in spirit, I'm going to give you evidence of who I have because credibility is really important. I'm not giving you the message. If your grandmother in spirit is coming through to me, I want to give you what I'm getting for her physical description. I want to be able to tell you her relationship to you. She's your grandmother. She died when she was in her 80s of, and it was a heart, heart or fluid in her lungs. Or, so I'm going to give you some evidence. And once I see that you recognize this person, I'll ask if you want to receive a message from them. And if you do, then I go into the message. So evidential mediumship is really important to us because we want you to trust the message. You shouldn't trust me, but you should be able to trust your grandmother whom you loved very much and who loved you. So, um, and then we'll always tell people 
I tell this to my students all the time. I say, listen, if I give you a message, you are perfectly, it is perfectly okay for you to walk out of that session and think that I'm delusional. It's okay. You do not have to take anything I give you. Um, for the purposes of our session, I only relay messages that are loving, healing, helpful, hopeful, relevant, and truthful. But if you walk out and for your own peace of mind, you need to dismiss it, I'm really okay with that. I wouldn't want anybody to go out thinking, oh my God, how is this possible? I can't believe, because our ego wants to protect us from, from being shamed or being duped or something like that. So our ego will often ask questions like, do you really trust her? Do you think she's trying to get something out of you? Please feel free to embrace your ego and let your ego keep you safe. But I ask all my students and my clients for the time that we're together, willing suspension of disbelief, let's have a conversation with spirit. And when they open to that, it's amazing the connections we can make. So do you, do you have a lot of mediumship clients? Uh, and well, let me rephrase that. So would a mediumship client be somebody who you would meet with on a regular basis? Is it sort of a one-time thing? Is it, do you have people that want to come and hear, I mean, what kind of stories have come through you to, to your client? Um, I, I saw the disclaimer on the website and it oh, was yes. like, you know, this is educational, informational entertainment. You know, yeah. if you have mental health issues, you should definitely get help. But, Absolutely. um, but I, I guess I'm just curious, you know, about your, your work as, as a medium, um, sure. do you, do you, like, I would imagine like a life guidance coaching client, you would have, you know, a regular, you know, sessions with this person because they're working on yeah. something, right. They're working right. on, you know, but would a, would a mediumship client be somebody who you would see repeatedly? Well, so repeatedly, that's an interesting way to, I, I like that you asked that question. I can't speak for other mediums, but what I've told my clients is I don't want you to come back. <laughs> I, I have no problem connecting with you and helping facilitate um, communication between you and somebody you're hoping to speak to. However, this is why I offer classes. I would rather help people develop their own innate ability to connect because every single one of us can because we're spirit before we're flesh. I would rather teach people, hey, try these exercises. You can talk to your grandmother on your own. I do not need to be here. Does it take time to develop your ability to hear and receive the communication? Yes, it's it's a skill and it's a lot of people just chalk it up to intuition or it's, it's uh, you know, all of these abilities. Oh, I don't have these, but every one of us has these abilities. It's just a matter of practicing them. Um, I always advise when I'm teaching someone to practice centering and grounding exercises before you open, because the energy you want to attract, you want it to be of the love and light. You don't want fun energies out there trying to mess with you. But after you've done that kind of opening, a protected opening, um, it, I would love, I love people to learn how to connect with their own dead people. I have had repeat clients. I've had one client that has reached out to me. I met with her three times over the course of five years. So if I do have a repeat client, it is generally, I'll have a session with them. Then they disappear for a while. 
And a year or so later, they'll reach out, hey, this life change is going on and I don't know when to death it and I need to talk to you, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm like, okay. But I, in general, I don't, I generally won't deliver messages to people that I know really well because the credibility becomes a problem. If I get to know you really well, and in some passing coffee conversation, you happen to mention that so-and-so passed away and his name was Mark and he had a heart attack and blah, now I have too much information. So even if I do connect with this Mark fellow, I can relay it to you, but if I were you, I wouldn't trust it. Who, why would you? I can still relay messages and I can, and I, when I'm at church serving as a message minister, if I have somebody who's been at church all the time and I've got a message for them, I will pre-qualify in front of everyone and say, hey, you know what, Sue, I know I gave you a message last week. Pretty sure it was it's the same grandmother coming through. Just want everybody to know I already have a connection with Sue, but Sue, here's what she's saying. Take it or leave it. It's it's entirely up to you. I do tend to have to give messages once I've connected because they don't, the spirit doesn't like connecting and then not getting a message really. Sometimes they don't step out of my office. I have a virtual office that I have them gather in. Um, but the repeated thing, I generally try to dissuade people from seeing mediums in general very often. One, don't use a medium as a crutch. You can do this yourself. Two, once they start to get to know you, it's much harder to really trust the messages you're getting from them. And the medium may not have any malicious intent, but if they're giving you messages that sound familiar because they already know you a little bit, how do you discern? Is this coming from spirit or is this coming from my new friend, Jude? I don't know. So repeated clients, I try to, um, I try to keep them at bay. Fascinating. It's just fascinating. So you talked to me about how much you enjoy your life guidance coaching work and when we were communicating in preparation for today, you were talking about how so often our own personal narratives can be really self-limiting. And so my question for you then would be, you know, as you have people come to you for life guidance coaching, you know, what are, what are you hearing um, as, as some of the narratives that people are you know, they come to you with a narrative because they feel like they need help. They need guidance. They need direction. They're, they're struggling or they can't, they can't just grab hold of that goal that they just, they know right. they ready for. Um, what are some of the, what are some, what are you hearing them share as to what is, what is limiting them? What are the people, narratives? I, yeah, people feel stuck. I mean, I don't know if it's the age, this, you know, this, this past few years and people have been feeling a lot of oppression and a lot of backwards movement. Yeah. But if, if they're not moving backwards, then they're stuck and they can't seem to do, they can't make a choice. They can't take an action that moves anything. The energy is just, okay, it's another day. It's I go to work, I come home and it's, it's so monotonous and so routine and there's no growth. People are feeling like they can't change things. They're feeling a lack of power and they have this sense that they don't see the future. They don't see a future with power. They see it like, is it always going to be like this? I'm always going to be struggling. I'm always not going to know what to do. And in my conversations with them, when they're relaying these stories of this is what I'm trying at work and it's not getting me anywhere. And this is this. And all I'm, I'm hearing a lot of stories of these are all the things that won't work. 
no matter what I do. And as we start to uncover it and take apart, well, in this, it's a personal relationship that's not working and it's a job that's not working and it's my kids that aren't working and it's all of these things. What we end up discovering a lot of times is that their sense of powerlessness and um, stuckness comes from a lack of clarity. It's, they, they see everything all at once that's not working and it's overwhelming and it's hard to sift through and find the light at each of those tunnels. And when I connect with their loved ones on the other side to include them in the, and I invite them into our meeting, what their loved ones are generally saying is, remind her of this, remind her of that, reminder of show her this, tell her this, say these things. And usually the words that come out, you'll see a light bulb go, go off and the client and the client's face will be like, oh, I never, I never thought of it that way. Or, oh, I, oh yeah, I guess, I guess you can look at it that way and see the bless. I had a client recently that, um, God, she's so sweet. She, uh, she was, she couldn't see for the life of her. She knew her job was coming to an end because the business that she was in was closing. And she, uh, it was, oh my gosh, what do I do? What do I do? I'm, I'm an older woman. I'm, I'm never going to. So she was projecting all of these things that she, uh, in her mind, what she was telling herself was never going to work. I'll never be able to, what do I do? There's nothing for me to do. And um, so we talked about fear. And we talked about how uh, what I was seeing just clearly was that fear was driving all of her thinking. And when I said, well, what are you afraid of not having? And it was security and stability. I said, okay, so why is that scary? And oh, well, because if I can't pay my bills and I could, okay, we'll bring it back. How about if you say, once this job goes away, another one's going to be waiting for me. How about you choose to believe in a story that says, once this job is over, this new thing is going to replace it. And it's going to be even better than I ever thought it was going to be. And she said, well, but you can't tell that. I said, but you also can't tell that it's not going to be that. So <laughs> you're telling yourself that it won't be that. And I'm saying it's 50-50 chance it will be. Which story are you going to believe? So once she realized that it was a matter of choosing which story to believe and the one where she was making a great change and everything was going to be okay was the one she ended up choosing. So when her job came to an end, she was called into her office and they said, Hey, the new company that's taking over needs you. We would like to hire you. We're going to pay you a little bit more and we're going to have you supervise all these people. And she's like, <laughs> I never saw this coming. I said, you knew that story was about to unfold. You just needed to believe in it. So now that said, could we have believed in that story? And then she could have lost her job. And then God knows what else could have happened. Absolutely. But for the period of time when she was weighed down by the thought that there was no future for her, that wasn't going to be a happy change. It was clouding all of the other things that weren't working. It was almost amplifying those things. So the negative storytelling in her brain was telling her all negative things. And so 
once she got clarity on, I can choose which story to believe, it made looking at the other things that were working well for her easier to see. Okay, well, I can choose to believe that this person relationship with this person is going to get worse and I'm going to have to leave it. Or I can choose to believe that things are going to change and they're going to make better choices because I'm going to communicate, blah, 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 blah. And so things started clicking and they got lighter. And once things get lighter and clearer, those paths that spirit sends to us, those breadcrumbs, those become wider and easier to navigate. And so I forgot what the question was, but that's, <laughs> that's essentially that's essentially the stories that I've been hearing. And, and most of them have to do with people not being able to see clearly enough so that they can move forward. But once you take away all of the things that cloud decisions, cloud choices, uh, it's so much easier to take action in a positive way that ultimately has ramifications for everything else going on in your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It reminds me of the, of the story of the, you know, there's, you know, we all have the, the, the light, the wolf of light and the wolf yes. of darkness within us. And yes. there's, there's a, there's the battle, right. And who yeah. wins it's who you feed, you know, yes. if you feed the, the wolf of light, the light will win. And if you feed the what wolf of darkness, um, the darkness wins and Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh gosh, there was something you said that I wanted to repeat, but now I'm, I'm drawing. You had said that, you know, you just gave an example of how you're doing this, but you talked about like excavating and examining deeply layered stories from mm. people's experiences. Um, can you elaborate on the process and some of those sort of deeply layered stories that you've really had to help people dig through in order yeah. to move forward? Yeah. Uh, when I work with people, it, it generally, after the basic intake meeting, which is, okay, this is what you think you need, where are your strengths, where are your weaknesses, what do you, how do you assess yourself? So after we get that kind of an intro meeting out of the way, um, the very next meeting is generally kind of like what you and I are doing right now. It's a conversation. Mm -hmm. It's an opportunity for me to ask them questions and then to freestyle it and to say, okay, so, the, and we just, we, we riff off of each other. And as they speak, at least this has been my experience as, as they answer basic questions, I will often get nudges from their team that shows up. I call it the people that we, our deceased loved ones, I call a spirit team. We all have spirit teams. All right. On the other side. Um, so I invite their team with us when we have meetings. So they'll start talking. And as they're answering questions, I'll get nudges from their team. Somebody on their team will say, um, will, will say, oh, catch, just like what you just said. Oh, they just said this. Bring them back to that. Make them look at that. And I'll, and so, and I'll listen because, you know, they can be kind of loud sometimes. And I'll mention it. And I say, you know what? So-and-so is saying, saying, can we look at what you just said about fear? Can we look at what you just said about this or that? And when we call their attention, I say we, because I know it's them working through me. When we call their attention to something that they've said or something in their embedded in their answer, and we ask them to explore it a little bit more, it's all in a, 
in an environment of this is safe. Let's take this apart and see what it is. Maybe it's nothing and we're okay if it's nothing, but if it's something, there's a nugget in there. Uh, one of my clients I had given, um, I, I had given, I, I pull from a bunch of different techniques that people use for life coaching, some basic strategies. Sedona method is one of them. And there is something about identifying whether something is what you have a need for approval, security. Uh, I forget the other one. Approval of security was really big for this client. And so when we were talking about that, I heard spirit say, ask her about security. I'm like, okay, all right. So I started asking her about security. What does this mean to you? Define security. What does that mean to you? And she started doing the physical stuff. Well, security, I need to be able to pay my bills. I want to have a roof over my head. I need food in my belly. Da, 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 da. So, and then I'm like, wait a minute. What about, what about emotional security? What's, what's about that? Because she had, it was so blatantly obvious that she was leaving out spiritual and emotional phrasing for that definition. And they were pointing that out to her. There, she's leaving it out. Talk to her about it. So we chased that down a little bit. And then that started to open her up. Like, you know, you're in terms of how she prioritized the choices that she was making and what she included in her life. And she realized because she wasn't doing things that were feeding her soul, it was making the physical 3D world that she had to live in a lot harsher and harder to navigate through. So I left, it's funny because I brought this, I have this poster that I gave to her. Fear is what if, faith is even if. So I gave her that to chew on. Fear is what if, faith is even if. And I said, come up with the, finish that sentence. Fear is what if blah, blah, blah doesn't happen. Faith is even if blah, blah, blah doesn't happen, then this. And she started to work through a whole bunch of stuff around security and what she was genuinely feel, fearing. And it seemed to help at any rate. We'll see. She's still a work in progress as we all are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you find that when you talk to people about, um, you know, when you're talking about security, for example, yeah. Do you do you find that people just get sort of with the blinders on, sort of very single threaded, and say they only talk about the the material security? Do you have to really sort of kind of circle back and really do a lot of work with people to 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 not uh, neglect sort of that spiritual emotional side of themselves? Oh yes, I think your instinct is right on the money there because I and I mean. I would argue we all experience that security is a big thing, security slash fear, right? It kind of drives all of our choices. What I say to uh, my clients is, you know, we have to live in, we are spirit. We are spirit before we're flesh, but we've chosen to live in this physical dimension for this time period, which means that even though we're spirit first, our bodies still have to move through this space and this time. Mm -hmm. So our ego comes into play, keeps us safe helps us survive, make choices that will ensure our our physical survival. Mm -hmm. But our ego can get very, very loud. And it drives most of our fears, I think. And yes, people's security really tends to fall into that, I need to make sure I survive. It's all survival mode. And reminding people that it's a quality of life issue. If we're living in survival mode the entire time, 
we're freaking miserable. We're miserable. If we're always thinking, I get the next thing I do, the next thing I say, the way I present myself, the choices I make over here, the decisions I make over there all have to be about making sure I have a roof over my head, food in my belly and clothes on my back and my kids are okay and I have my health. But when we forget the spiritual emotional connection, we're neglecting the whole point of being here. So if the whole point is to survive then if and there's nothing beyond that full of joy, why are we here? What is why why bother to stick around? Because there's way more than that. I mean, when your awareness is brought to it, and I'm sure you've experienced this, you look at a flower, you look at a beautiful blue sky, the weather we had the other day before it got all muggy and yucky out. Oh my heavens, that was fantastic, right? So when we're called to see the beauty in the things around us versus being always thinking, uh, okay, am I, bill get, am I getting paid this week? I got to work the extra hours so I can make, when we take away that stress and that survival mode, the world is suddenly a beautiful place and it makes our experience in here so much easier. And I might add, adds to the clarity we receive. For me, I know I stress the, the phrase clarity uh, when I'm working with my clients. Communication is key to gaining clarity. And communication is not just a back and forth between you and somebody else. It's a back and forth with you, with you and you. And expressing it, verbalizing it is huge because when you hear the words coming out of your own mouth is when you start, when it starts to sink in, oh, is that what I was really thinking? Is that what I was really feeling? And just we talk about release and venting and everything. When you communicate and you release the stuff that's been going on in your head, it makes clarity more possible. And if you're dealing with somebody else and you're both coming at each other with that open, safe communication style, I mean, the sky's the limit. It, it's amazing the lightness you feel and the, the ease and the comfort and being at peace that you feel with someone, even if you disagree with them, okay, but I feel heard, I feel understood, I feel seen. And that's a huge thing. It's a huge thing. And my my clients are, in many respects, those first meeting, the first meeting or so, it, that's a lot of what's coming out of them is I, uh, I need to, I need to somebody to hear me. I need somebody to see me. Please tell me I'm not crazy. And all of these things come up. And um, once they release it all, then, then clarity is ensues and it's fantastic. Well, I think it would almost be like you talk about that narrative, you know, it's almost like it's like the it's like the barrel overflowing, yeah. right? Yes. Like the rain yeah. barrel and it's overflowing and the rain is just pouring in. And so right. it's just like they just come to you and they just need to kick it over and just let the water out so that they can open up that channel and be able to receive. Amen. Right. Totally. Like the the information. Right? Yes. Yes. I love that you just said that. Yes. That they have to open. They have to let go of all of these things that have been, they've been hoarding all of these stories that they've been hoarding and making them, weighing them down when they kick over that. I love that visual when they kick over that barrel and all that water comes pouring out, they open a channel for that clarity, for that understanding. And, and it becomes, and you can, it's amazing how well you can hear somebody and receive somebody when you're not holding on to all of the things that filter what they're saying to you and how you perceive them. Mm -hmm. So once you let, it's it's like we get naked with each other. 
right? So we're releasing everything. And now it's just one human being to another human being. And we can, we can air our grievances and we can speak to each other on a one-on-one -on -one basis. And it's just, it's a beautiful interaction. I love that visual of the barrel being tipped over because I mm -hmm. think that's exactly what happens, at least in the first couple of meetings that I have with my, my folks. Um, it is, it's a lot of it is just, I got to get this out of me. I got to get it out of my system. Yep. And once they release it, now we can actually make headway. Yeah. We can create a path. We can come up with in, in, um, exercises. We can come up with those things and they're not afraid of them. They don't yep. feel overwhelming. Oh, I can do that. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. Because now you have the bandwidth for it because you let everything else go. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. I think having a, a safe space to be able to share your narrative is yes. is really, really important. We We talk about trust. And we talk about, yeah, it's risk. It's risky. If I do this thing, could I fail at it? Absolutely. But if I look at that failure as the opportunity for growth versus, oh my God, everybody's going to hate me. Nobody's going to, you know, everyone's going to think I'm bad at this. I, I'm going to be ashamed. I'm going to be embarrassed. But if I say, well, I don't care. I, I don't care what other people think. I, I, it's about me. It's about how I think about myself. And if I am not embarrassed or ashamed, then to heck with it, I'll fail. So honest to God, this past year, a lot has changed for me since last year, a lot of life changes. And I was looking at a future where, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to survive this. But I had a choice in what story I believed in. Mm -hmm. And I was either going to go down the path of, all right, this is not going to be good. I'll just prepare myself for the worst. Or... I, I could choose the story that said, maybe you get what you want, maybe you don't, but I trust and have absolute confidence that whatever I, wherever I wind up, it will be for my best and highest good because I trust spirit and I know that's where I'm going. So even if it's not working out the way I want it to, I know it's for my best and highest good and it's up to me to hear the story, to receive the story of this is how it's a blessing. This is how it's helping you grow. Mm -hmm. And I, since last year, and those changes, because they were, they were a big test. <laughs> I chose faith. I chose, you know what, even if these things don't work out the way I perceive them to work, that I need them to work out, they're going to work out the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be in a good place and I'll be taken care of. Yeah. So trust is a big part of that, taking that risk. And if you just trust if you trust that you're going to be okay, you're going to be okay mm -hmm. because that becomes our story. Yep. That becomes the story that helps yep. us go through. Yep. I'm going to be okay. That's my story. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, how do you eat Everest? Right. One spoonful at a time. Right. Girl. Yes. Uh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. One spoonful at a time. One spoonful at a time. It's all you, all you can handle. It's all you have to worry about. Right. And That's right. Go spoon right in front of you. And you no matter what, about. you'll be okay. There's always options. I think that I know fear can just grip you and you feel like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And yep. there's always options. Always. There's always options. Always. Always options. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that is all the time we have for today. We have talked about so much. I could just go on forever. Um, but I really wanted to thank you for being on our show. And I just, all of this conversation just was wonderful. Just listening about all of the sort of positive 
energy and just how you will take someone's brain barrel that they've tipped over and help them refill it with positive yeah. narrative, you know, like let's, that. let's tip out all that negative water and let's fill it, you know, with life-giving water yeah, and a little and champagne. Narrative. Let's make it champagne. There you go. Because <laughs> we can, because that's the story we can choose. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. Thank you so much for having me, Liana. I, what a pleasure it's been talking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been yeah. great. And to our listeners. Whether you hear us locally from the BTV studios in Bedford, Massachusetts, or across the globe on such podcast channels as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Amazon Prime, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time. Happy storytelling. Happy storytelling.